Numbers chapter 6. Let us pray before we begin. Father, I just pray in Jesus' name, thanking you for your word, Lord. So much here for us in the year 2017. And uh, Lord, how we need your word, how, how we love uh, the the Old Testament and the Pentateuch and and Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy and the foundation it establishes in our lives um, as um, all of it points to Christ. And I just pray, Lord, in Jesus' name that we would know Jesus Christ more after leaving this study of Numbers chapters 6 and 7. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, before going to into here into Numbers chapter 6, I just wanted, I don't feel that I did justice to some of the teachings there in Numbers chapter 4 concerning the covering of the holy things. Now, uh, there at the beginning of Numbers chapter 7, we will see some uh, offerings presented by the leaders of the different tribes of Israel. And these particular offerings are oxen and carts, which will be used to transport the uh, vessels um, of the tabernacle. Uh, but in Numbers chapter 4, we saw the fact that they were covered, and there's very um, specific details in Numbers chapter 4 that the sons of Aaron and the sons of Aaron only were to have the job of uh, covering these vessels, uh, the tabernacle, the table of the showbread, uh, the uh, other vessels that were uh, transported, uh, the lampstand, uh, the uh, uh, the 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 altar um, of burnt offering, all these things. Uh, when the uh, cloudy pillar rose up and it became apparent that the Israelites were to move on to the next place that the Lord was taking them to, uh, they were prepared for transport, and the priests would cover the um, the different vessels uh, and at at that point and only at that point the sons of Kohath uh, which were uh, part of the tribe of Levi would carry them and I just wanted to uh, review just a little bit more you know why this uh, why this importance attached to covering up these vessels 
the Ark of the Covenant, the lampstand, um, the table of the of the of the showbread, and the uh, um, the other vessels in the uh, in the tabernacle, and and in addition to that, um, just in the tabernacle itself, all these vessels were located in the holy place. No one was allowed in there except priests. Um, who were the sons of Aaron, and of course, no one was allowed in the most holy place except for the high priest. Uh, and I think it's important to understand that uh, the reason for the covering, it, it, it's not to... Uh, it, it, it's not because... Uh, the people other than the priests, including most of the Levites themselves, are this ugly, dirty, wicked people that God doesn't love and he doesn't want to get uh, close to him because the thought of, of, of getting close to someone so filthy and defiled uh, was a disgusting thought to God. No, he loves man. He doesn't want them to get close to him because he loves them. If they get close to him and see him, they would die. Uh, there are, we read uh, several verses <clears throat> which uh, spoke to this. Uh, Numbers chapter 4, verse 15 says, The son of, of Kohath can bear the covered vessels, but they can't touch, directly touch uh, any holy thing lest they die, meaning they can bear it on their shoulders. You know, there's poles that were uh, put on their shoulders and they would carry uh, these, um, these vessels, but they couldn't touch it directly. Um, and uh, in fact, it says, even if they see, it says, even if they see, Numbers chapter 4, verse 20, the holy things, they would die. And so uh, it was to the, the, the covering, uh, whether it was during transport or whether it was in the tavern, uncovered in the tabernacle itself and hidden by the boards and uh, the curtains and this type of thing was uh, it, it, it's not to uh, protect God from the people it was to protect the people from the holiness of God uh, so uh, holiness is a beautiful thing that God wants to share however you know, it cannot be overemphasized that, you know, that God wants to communicate also in these things just the awesomeness and the fearfulness of God's holiness. Holiness is beautiful, but it's also something to be fearful of, even terrified of, if one approaches it without the blood of Christ. And so, um, you know, I, I, I all... All anal analogies eventually fail, but I, I, I think of one possible analogy here is a nuclear power plant. In a nuclear 
a power plant, um, there's a, a reactor. Uh, and within the heart of the reactors is the cores where the atoms split apart and release their heat energy. You know that's a that's a dangerous thing if it's if it's um, you know uh, if, if to human beings if there's not a giant concrete dome uh, covering it which there is over a, a, a nuclear reactor and so um, you know it's it's a it's a similar thing the reason for those coverings. Um, again, is to protect man, but it's also communicating just the awesome fearfulness of God's holiness, uh, and we need to be fearful of it, even terrified of it, if one approaches it without the blood of Christ. One other uh, thing that I mentioned in the past message was that the Ark of the Covenant was carried by the Levites and not the priests. Uh, it's unclear, um, actually, if because if you, although verse 15 of Numbers chapter 4 does appear to say that it's the non-priests, sons of Kohath, uh, the Levites, who um, we're carrying it. We do see repeated reference in the book of Joshua when they're going into the promised land that the uh, it, it appears that the priests um, are bearing it. Uh, just uh, Joshua chapter 3 verse 6 says they took up the Ark of the Covenant that is the priests Joshua spoke to the priests and, say, and saying, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass it over before the people. And they took up the Ark of the Covenant. Now, it could be that it's really the priests that are overseeing this, um, but there do appear to be uh, priests doing the actual bearing of the Ark. So they appear to have that privilege. Although in Numbers chapter 4, verse 15, it appears that a Levite who's not a priest um, does have the, um, does have the, uh, can have that responsibility as well. For example, perhaps if a priest was not available. Uh, in any event, I uh, wanted to make sure and uh, hone in on this important um, issue regarding just the holiness of the holiness of God and why the vessels uh, in the tabernacle were covered, including but not limited to the Ark of the Covenant, but the other vessels as well. So as we get into uh, Numbers chapter 6, um, an, an additional chapter on holiness, uh, remember uh, what we had mentioned in the uh, previous message. Number 4 was about the, 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 the service of the Levites of the transport of uh, the 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 pieces of the tabernacle, the vessels and everything else that made up the tabernacle. Number five was a chapter on holiness reminding us that 
our ser- if our service for the Lord um, is not accompanying by holiness in our lives, uh, we're, we're not getting it. We're missing the point. And so chapter 6 is a continuation of that. Uh, it's a chapter about holiness, uh, specifically the Nazarite vow. Verse 1 of chapter 6 says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, when either a man or woman consecrates an offering to take the vow of a Nazarite to separate himself to the Lord, he shall separate himself from wine and similar drink. He shall drink neither vinegar made from wine nor vinegar made from similar drink. Neither shall he drink any grape juice nor eat fresh grapes or raisins all the days of his separation he shall eat nothing that is produced by the grapevine from seed to skin all the days of the vow of his separation no razor shall come upon his head until the days are fulfilled for which he separated himself uh, to the lord he shall be holy then he shall uh, let the locks of the hair of his head grow all the days that he separates himself to the lord he shall not go to near a dead body he shall not make himself unclean either for his father or his mother for his brother or his sister when they die because his separation to God is on his head all the days of his separation he shall be holy to the Lord and so the Nazarite vow it's a voluntary vow uh, for a man or a woman to give themselves over to the Lord for a prescribed period of time now there were Nazarites in the Bible, Samson, Samuel, and John the Baptist, who uh, really were uh, the 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 period of time actually was their whole life. Uh, Samson was uh, even from the womb and so um, the vow was really made on behalf of them by their parents. Uh, that was atypical. Um, the more typical, uh, thing that occurred was a vol- voluntary vow to uh, uh, to the Lord for a specific period of time. We even see the Apostle Paul, very interesting thing, even after he was saved, he did um, follow uh, uh, the Jewish law as a general matter, and um, he took a vow. And so... Uh, that's in Acts chapter um, 18. And a couple things that are important to um, to point out about this this chapter: uh, obedience, the obedience that is, uh, or or rather, a better way of putting it, the, the the law as it was laid out, as we have seen laid out up until this point, and we'll see hereafter, uh, that was to be obeyed by all. Um, it wasn't, uh, a person didn't become a Nazarite um, as a statement of, well, I'm going to be one who obeys the law, and, and uh, this is going to be a, a, an exception to the rule. No, everybody obeyed the law. That was the rule. And so you might ask, well, well, then what's going on here? Well, a Nazarite vow really was about 
intimacy with the Lord. It was um, just a vow of intimacy uh, where a, a, a person c- could, um, for a period of time, say, you know, I, I just really want to separate uh, myself unto the Lord. Uh, you know, an example in our life from the last couple summers for uh, one time each summer, a period of five days, I just separated it exclusively uh, for prayer uh, to the Lord and just to really focus on the Lord. And um, I'd like to go to a, a place, you know, outside the home. Uh, and a place which is more secluded uh, just to focus on the Lord. So really this is about uh, intimacy. That is what it's um, about. Uh, It uh, is important to understand that... um, what this, what, you know, what this communicates is that your calling and your intimacy with God were, you know, weren't are are, are mutually exclusive in the sense that you could be a Levite. And your duty was to work day in and day out in in the tabernacle, but that doesn't necessarily mean that um, you had any intimacy with God at all, nor uh, was it the case that in order to have intimacy with God, you needed to be a Levite. Uh, Anyone... Uh, could uh, and this is true to to in the new covenant today you have the relationship with God that you want um, if if you don't like where you are with the Lord well you you've chosen to be where you are and so anyone um, didn't have to be a Levite and didn't have to be a man a beautiful thing about this vow it says when either a man or a woman verse 2 and so it it wasn't you know uh, even at that time um, because God is bringing his people out of a, a primitive uh, understanding of him and bringing them into the light and uh, drawing them forward through uh, progressive revelation. You know, at the time, you know, well, it was really men who were the one who uh, had a natural advantage of, of spirituality. Not the case here we learn God is teaching his people in Numbers chapter 6 verse 2. Anybody can take a Nazarite vow and if they um, want a season of greater intimacy, man, woman or um, you know any of the uh, tribes um any of the tribes of uh, of Israel here, uh, and it's it does specify a few things. Uh, it says that um, in verse three, it speaks about separating himself from wine or any uh, similar drink, and so the idea with the with the wine um, or even. 
they weren't even allowed to eat fresh grapes. It was it's a fasting of sort, and um, I am uh, an enormous proponent of fasting, provided that the uh, m- that the motive is correct on the part of the one fasting. Um, but here, that's a similar thing. They're fasting from wine. They're fasting from fresh grapes. Uh, in addition to that, the, in verse five speaks that uh, um, no razor was to come upon their head, and so uh, the 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 length of the hair would be a reminder to them. You know, when they woke up in the morning, oh yeah, yeah, my hair is longer. So reminder that they're in a season of 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 of. Uh, a fasting of sorts, of a, of, of a, a greater intimacy with God, where they're really uh, focusing on the Lord. It was a reminder uh, to them that um, they were to be seeking after God. Uh, also, of course, would have been an indication to others uh, that, okay, this person has longer hair. They must be under a Nazarite vow. Uh, similarly to today in, in, in Christianity, uh, we should be able to be identified by our life, uh, not by long hair, but by long Suffering, First Corinthians uh, chapter thirteen, verse four. First definition of love: long suffering by uh, our patience with people, our self control, oh, the the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Galatians five twenty two: love, kindness, peace, self control, um, uh, faithfulness, goodness, and so. Um, uh, that was the second part of the Nazarite vow. The third was the uh, do not touch a dead body. Uh, interestingly, verse 7 says, He shall not make himself unclean, even for his father or mother or for his brother or sister when they die. And, and so here is a reminder to the people that um, family should not be put on an equal plane with God. Jesus makes this uh, Jesus makes this um, so clear on so many different occasions um, saying unless you hate your father, mother, your sister, brother, your your daughter, your son, your daughter-in-law, your son-in-law, this type of thing, you cannot be my disciple. It was a statement on his part. Don't make your family an idol. And so here, uh, don't go near a dead body. At that time, a dead body made someone unclean. And uh, But I do think a key part of this is that verse 7, even a family member. And so this is a, a, a statement of of consecration and just a remembrance of the uh the 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 priority of of god even really far above uh family our family will be most blessed if we put god first Um, our family will suffer if we put family first and so 
uh, verse 8 says, All the days of his separation, he shall be holy to the Lord. Uh, verse 9 gets into uh, some of the detail here. If someone dies very suddenly uh, beside someone with a Nazarite vow and he, de- and he defiles his consecrated head, then he shall shave his head on the day of his cleansing. On the seventh day, he shall shave it. And so, um, he, here, if um, he mistakenly, even completely unintentionally, uh, touches a dead body, um, he needs to immediately stop the Nazarite vow. And it was, um, it was, uh, um, it was stopped. It ceased. It was terminated um, by shaving of the head. I believe Paul. Uh, I think it's in Acts 21 where he shaves his head. To, he had some kind of vow there uh, that he did. And so um, then on the eighth day he shall bring two turtle loves or two young pigeons to the priest to the door of the tabernacle of meeting and the priest shall offer one as a sin offering and the other as uh, a burnt offering and make atonement for him because he sinned in regard to the corpse, he shall sanctify his head. That's that same day. So verse 11, remember from the book of Leviticus, you have the sin offerings, which were for unintentional sin. uh, And uh, here there's this unintentional sin by inadvertently touching a dead body. Our unintentional sins um, still are uh, something that has uh, will separate and has separated us from God. Only the blood of Christ can can cleanse that and 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 bring us into fellowship with God. But uh, there's that sin offering again. The uh, reference to it, verse twelve: He shall consecrate to the Lord the days of his separation and bring a male lamb in its first year as a trespass offering, but. The former days of shall be lost because his separation was defiled. So then it gets into verse 13, where uh, not the situation where his Nazarite vow inadvertently uh, came to an end, but what happens when the prescribed time period comes to an end, verse 13. Now, this is the law of the Nazarite. When the days of his separation are fulfilled, he shall be brought to the door of the tabernacle of meeting. He shall present his offering to the Lord, one male lamb, in its first year without blemish is a burnt offering. One um, ewe lamb in its first year without blemish is a sin offering. One ram without blemish as a peace offering. A basket of unleavened bread, cakes of fine flour mixed with oil, unleavened wafers anointed with oil, and their grain offering with their drink offerings. The priest shall bring them before the Lord and offer his sin offer offering and his burnt offering, and it shall offer the ram as a sacrifice of a peace offering to the Lord. With a basket of unleavened bread, the priest shall also offer its grain offering and its drink offering. Then the Nazarite shall shave his consecrated head at the door of the tabernacle of meeting and shall take the hair from his consecrated head and put it on the fire, which is under the sacrifice of the peace offering. 
And so here you see, really, you see how serious this Nazarite vow is. And um, just the, the intimacy represented in all these offerings, the burnt offering, verse 4, representing a consecrated life, uh, the sin offering, same verse uh, representing just the, the sin nature. There, so he didn't have an inadvertent defilement of his Nazarite vow, but because of his sin nature, and remember that's the difference between the trespass offering and the, and, uh, the sin offering, trespasses generally were for specific offenses. But even if the Nazarite had no... Um, specific sin that he knew of, he still had that sin nature and uh, and, and an offering is needed. It's the beauty of the cross. Um, it's uh, the, the blood of Jesus cleansed our sin nature and then as well, um, every specific sin that we've ever done, that was cleansed as well. And then there was also the peace offering, which was um, an offering of fellowship with God. And, and then um, the unleavened bread, the cakes of fine flour, the grain offering, uh, which was a Thanksgiving offering, and the drink offering, all of these things uh, really all representing the intimacy uh, that uh, the intimacy that was taking place on the part of the person who made the Nazarite vow. I mean, I, I can personally attest to uh, the fact that um, if a man or woman is willing to fast um, for a season of time and really seek the Lord and seek that intimate, seek that intimacy, he, she will find it. Uh, and um, here is a uh, beautiful Old Testament um, reminder that uh, really promises that in intimacy for those wanting it. Again, your intimacy, your relationship with God, the, 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 the beauty that you experience, whether it's dry or it's uh, anointed, mo moist and wet, is really ultimately... Um, you have the choice uh, of what you want. And, and, and so the Nazarite vow, verse 19, the priest shall take the boiled shoulder of the ram, one unleavened cake from the basket, one unleavened wafer, and put them upon the hands of the Nazarite after he has shaved his consecrated head. And the priest shall wave them as a wave offering before the Lord. They are holy for the priest together with the breast of the wave offering and the thigh of the heave offering. After that, the Nazarite may drink wine, meaning uh, the, the vow is over. He can return to his regular life. Verse 21, this is the law of the Nazarite who vows to the Lord the offering for a separation. And besides that, whatever else his hand is able to provide according to the vow, which, which, uh, which he takes, so he must do according to the law of separation. And so um, that interesting little phrase there, um, that when he gives his offerings as they are prescribed in those uh, previous verses, it, it, it adds this, and beside that, whatever else his hand is able to provide. Look, um, giving to God is a privilege. It, it is a privilege, and if we have, we, if we're able to give him um, 
if we're able to, to, to give him something, um, it's a privilege to do it. We don't do something just because it's required. We don't tithe uh, because it's required. We tithe and then give over and above our tithe if we're able to do so um, because of our love for the Lord, because of, because of the intimacy that we desire with God. And God, I want all of you, and therefore I give you this extra chunk of money that I earn because I know where it's going to head. The more I give, the more I I get back. You cannot outgive God, and so uh, the the joy, the peace, um, the blessing that we get by giving to God. Uh, verse twenty two of Numbers chapter six, and the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, "Speak to Aaron." And his son, saying, This is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. Say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And so this is the high priest blessing or the uh, priestly bre- uh, blessing of Aaron and his sons. Uh, now, every day there were offerings uh, being made at the tabernacle. Uh, there was um, a lamb in, in, the evening, in the morning and the evening and then um, many other, other offerings that were uh, being presented and um, when the people came to the tabernacle, when they gathered at the tabernacle, before they left, they would receive this blessing. Now, um, so important uh, that we take some time to dissect this particular uh, blessing. Why? Because of verse 27. Verse 27 says, So they shall put my name on the children of Israel, and I will bless them. Well, what does that mean? Put my name on the children of Israel. Well, the name of God, uh, unlike names are used today, today, Tom, Dick, Harry, Sue, Jessica, Sally, uh, which is just meant to identify someone and distinguish them from another person. The name of God is who he is. Um, and it was even more than who he is. It, it was him. My, God's name is God. <laughs> and so, uh, so they shall put my name on him. Uh, this is a description of the name of God, this blessing here, verse 24 through 26, meaning this is who he, he is. Now, six things are mentioned here. Number one, the Lord bless you. So, Part of the name of God is he's a blessing God. That's who he is. We should never forget he's a blessing God that loves to bless. Number two, he's a keeping God. The Lord bless you and keep you. He keeps you in the way. He preserves you. He protects you. You have a relationship with God. You don't have to wonder if you wake up tomorrow that it's going to be gone. No, he keeps it. Number three, he makes his face shine upon you. Actually, it could be said um, that 
uh, he he smiles at you, meaning um, a, a, a child of God who is um, drawing near to God, who's seeking Him, that makes His face shine. This is who God is. He doesn't have a frown on His face when we are seeking him with surrendered hearts. No, he has a face that shines when we do that. Uh, Number four, he's a gracious God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. Number four, and be gracious uh, to you. He is a gracious God. He loves to be gracious. He lo- What is grace? Grace is getting what we don't deserve. God loves to give us what we don't deserve. Um, he, when God gives, it, it, it's not because, um, you know, he, he's sort of pulling teeth or reluctantly or begrudgingly. No, he's, he's a gracious God. That's his name. That's who he is. Uh, number five, uh, verse 26, the Lord lift up his countenance upon you. Uh, that means uh, God is a God who pays attention when we go into his come into his presence. We know from Hebrews chapter four, Jesus Christ having opened up uh, the privilege of 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 boldly going into the presence of God and uh, to receive grace and mercy in our time of need and we can do so boldly and we don't go into the presence of God and he's sitting there um, you know uh, doing a crossword puzzle uh, no he 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 lifts his countenance upon us he gives us his his attention I remember as a child in high school uh, my friend best friend Pete Reyes and I we used to be uh, it was the latter years of high school I was in Caracas Venezuela we'd be running around the city doing whatever and uh, my dad uh, worked uh, in a high-rise in Caracas he was uh, an important man he was treasurer of the organization of a conglomerate of companies there uh, in in Caracas and uh, he had a corner office and uh, and and I remember just uh, several times uh, my friend Pete and I would, would just go up there and just charge right into his office uh, and it was a wonderful thing to, to, to see him drop what he was doing and pay attention to us. A, a real important guy and, and there in the business world in that particular company, but he would drop what he was doing and he would pay attention to us. That's the name of God. That's who he is. He is the God who pays attention to you. Finally, number six, and gives you peace. He is a peace-giving God. God does not you know it's got it's not god's heart for us for us to be living in perpetual unrest in our soul um the psalm says return to thy rest o my soul for the lord has dealt bountifully with thee that's where god wants us to be in that place of peace it's in that place of peace that we enjoy him the most uh, god uh, made us for the purpose of communing with us and uh, 
we can't do that uh, unless there's peace. Of course, communing with us gives us more peace, but this is who he is. He is a peace-giving God. And so verse 27, this powerful verse, so they shall put my name on the children of Israel, meaning they, the, the sons of Aaron, the priests, will bless the children of Israel with these things, and the Lord will in fact give these things blessing, keeping, face shining upon them, grace to them, his countenance, up, countenance upon them, and peace. So they shall put my name on the children of Israel, and I will bless them. And so, a, a, a yeah, such an important verse to be meditating upon uh, because it is a description of who God is. Chapter 7, now it came to pass when Moses had finished setting up the tabernacle. Now some think this is uh, hearkening back to Exodus chapter 40. I, I, I don't believe that's the case here, and, and we'll soon find out why. But um, I'll, here on their journey, uh, remember the, the book of Exodus uh, happens, it's about a, a one year um, from the time they, uh, it, fr- from the time they leave Egypt, there's uh, the book of Exodus includes one year in the wilderness. Book of Leviticus is one month, and then um, Numbers is about you know 38, 39 years. And so at the beginning of their uh, their journeying after the Exodus and Levitical period, they set up the tabernacle again. Verse one, it says, "It came to pass when Moses had finished setting up the tabernacle that he anointed it and consecrated it and all its furnishings and the altar and all its utensils. So he anointed and consecrated them. Then the leaders of Israel, the heads of the father's house, who were the leaders of the tribes and um, over those who were numbered, made an offering." Uh, and so they were gonna they were gonna make an offering now first of different things that would be used for the transport of all the furnishings of the tabernacle. And so it says in verse, Three, they brought their offerings before the Lord, six covered carts, 12 oxen, a cart for every two of the leaders and for each one an ox, and they presented them before the tabernacle. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Accept these from them, that they may be used in doing the work of the tabernacle of meeting, and you shall give them to the Levites to every man according to his service. So Moses took the carts and the oxen and gave them to the Levites. Two carts, four oxen, he gave to the sons of Gershon according to their service. Now, what was their service? Chapter 4 of Numbers, verses 24 through 28, they had to, uh, they, the sons of Gershon, 
those Levites were responsible for transporting the roof or the different coverings the um, on top that, that that covered the tabernacle also the hangings that went on the wall of the tabernacle and so they were given two carts and four oxen for that purpose verse eight and four carts and eight oxen he gave to the sons of Merari according to their service under the authority of Ithamar, the son of Aaron, the priest. Now, why did they get more carts? Well, they had all those gold-covered boards, oh my, uh, that uh, made up the walls of the tabernacle. One can only imagine the weight there. And so it says, again, according to their service. And so... Uh, they were carrying more things and heavier things, and they got more carts. Verse 9, But to the sons of Kohath he gave none, because theirs was the service of the holy things which they carried on their shoulders. And so, again, as we began this lesson, the vessels were carried on shoulders. Um, they were also covered, um, but for that reason they were not given any carts. Verse 10 says, Now the leaders offered the dedication offering for the altar when it was anointed. So the leaders offered their offering before the uh, altar. For the Lord said to Moses, They shall offer their offering uh, one leader each day for the dedication of the altar. And so what is going to proceed here, there's going to be a leader from each of the tribes of Judah, and they are going to give um, an offering to the Lord. This offering would be used in the uh, service um, um, of, the, of, the, of the tabernacle. And uh, it's going to be um, each a, a leader of each of the tribes, except for the tribe of Levites, who themselves are uh, receiving it for the work. And it's going to be uh, one day at a time. So there's, uh, again, verse 11 says, they shall offer their offering one leader each day. And uh, it's a really interesting chapter. This is the second longest chapter of the, outside of Psalm 119. Uh, there are a whopping uh, 89 verses uh, in this chapter. Um, and so after Psalm 119, uh, this is the longest chapter. And uh, interestingly enough, uh, the offering of each of the leaders of each of the tribes is identical. Now, why, you know, why wouldn't the Holy Spirit, who is the author of this chapter, just describe the what the offering one time and then mention the names of the? of the leaders who offered it. Uh, well, I, again, I think it gets back to, um, you know, we, we know if something's repeated, we know there's a reason for it. If something's repeated twice, uh, man, um, God's trying to get our attention. If it's repeated 11 or 12 times, he's really, really, really trying to get our attention. Uh, I think here it is... 
really um, trying to get the point across that giving is an incredible privilege. Uh, giving of our first fruits, giving of our increase, giving what we are able to the Lord uh, is so important. It's such a privilege. It will lead to blessing in our life. Um, boy, will our joy cool down and be snuffed out totally if we're not a giving people. Uh, but it also represents just how uh, the Lord appreciates uh, each one service individually and that's why there's uh, an offering um, the, a leader of each tribe is, is is they don't do it all on the same day they're each given um, a different day where the focus is on them and they're just given the privilege of giving to the Lord. Verse 12 says, And the one who offered his offering on the first day was Nashon, the son of Aminadab from the tribe of Judah. And so here's this, um, here's the offering that's going to be given and it's the identical offering of every leader um, of these tribes who are going to be making an offering in this chapter. Verse 13, his offering was one silver platter, the weight of which was 130 shekels, and one silver bowl of 70 shekels, according to the shekels of the sanctuary, both of them full of fine flour mixed with oil as a grain offering, one gold pan of 10 shekels full of incense, one young bull, one ram, and one male lamb in its first year as a burnt offering, one kid of the goat as a sin offering, and the sacrifice of peace offerings, two oxen, five ram, five male goats, five uh, male lambs in their first year. This was the offering of Nashon, the son of Aminadab. And then uh, in verse 18, it says, On the second day, Nathaniel, or Nethanel, the son of Zuar, leader of Issachar, presented an offering. And he proceeded to offer that identical offering. Verse 24, On the third day, Eliab, the son of Helon, leader of the children of Zebulun, presented an offering. And then again, description of that identical offering. Verse 30, on the fourth day, Elizer, the son of Shiduar, leader of the children of Reuben, presented an offering. Verse 36, on the fifth day, Shalumil, the son of Zerushadai, leader of the children of Simeon, presented an offering. Verse 42, on the sixth day, Eliasaph, the son of Duel, leader of the children of Gad, presented an offering. Verse 48, on the seventh day, Elishama, the son of Aminahud, leader of the children of Ephraim, presented an offering. Uh, verse 54, on the eighth day, Gamaliel, the son of Pedazer, leader of the children of Manasseh, presented an offering. On the ninth day, Abedin, the son of Gideonai, leader of the children of Benjamin, presented an offering. Over 66, on the tenth day, Ahazar, the son of Amishadai, leader of the children of Dan, presented an offering. Verse 72, on the 11th day, 
Pagiel, the son of Ochran, leader of the children of Asher, presented an offering. On the twelfth day, Ahira, the son of uh, this is verse 78. Enan, leader of the children of Naphtali, presented an offering. Uh, verse 84, this was the dedication. Here's the summary here. This was the dedication offering for the altar from the leaders of Israel when it was anointed 12 silver platters, 12 silver bowls, 12 gold, plans, gold pans. Each silver pl- platter weighed 130 shekels and each a bowl, 70 shekels. All the silver of the vessels weighed 2,400 shekels, according to the uh, shekel of the sanctuary. The 12 gold pans uh, full of incense weighed 10 shekels apiece, according to the shekel of the sanctuary. All the gold of the pan weighed 120 shekels. All the oxen for the burnt offerings were 12 young bulls, the rams 12, the male lambs in their first year 12, with their grain offerings and the kid offering, the kids of the goats as a sin offering 12. And all the oxen for the sacrifice of peace offerings were 24 bulls, the ram 60, the male goat 60, the lambs in their first year 60. This was the dedication offering for the altar after it was anointed. Now verse 89, which we'll finish up with tonight, a fascinating verse. It says, now when Moses went into the tabernacle of meeting, so uh, even though he was not a son of Aaron, he was not a priest, um, Moses was given the privilege of going right in there into the tabernacle. It says, when he went into the tabernacle meeting to speak with him, he heard the voice of one speaking to him from above the mercy seat that was on the Ark of the Testimony from between the two cherubim. Thus he spoke to him. And now in chapter 8, which we'll pick up next time, we'll um, hear what was spoken. But um, here you have this fascinating um a fascinating scene of Moses just strolling right in there. I shouldn't say strolling. I'm sure he he did it with great reverence, uh, but he was able to hear the audible voice um, of 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 God. Now the word of God is who? It's John. It's um, it's Jesus. John chapter one verse one. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. The word was God. So this literally is. Uh, a, a description here of the second person um, of the Trinity and uh, speaking uh, to Moses here. Uh, now, you could ask, is Moses behind the veil or is he uh, inside of uh, the the veil. I, I think for the reasons I discussed earlier, which is you know God covered these things up in order to uh, protect man. Uh, my sanctified guess is that he is uh, outside the veil, but he's hearing uh, the voice of the Lord. Uh, it's interesting that in um, even. At the time of the, uh, even at the time of the, um, uh, 
in, in Leviticus chapter 16, the Day of Atonement, when Aaron went in, um, when he went into the Holy of Holies, he, he actually took some, some coals from the altar, brought it into the holy place, and then went the one time a year where he went into the Holy of Holies, and that was only after uh, different washings and um, a number of different sacrifices, even then... When he went into the Holy of Holies, he went behind the veil. He took some coals, put them on the ground, threw some uh, incense on it, and covered the Ark of the Testimony with uh, with smoke. And uh, and again, uh, the idea there was for his own protection because of the holiness of God. Uh, that is what he did. And uh, so my guess is that when Moses comes into the tabernacle here, a fascinating scene here with Moses just uh, coming uh, in, even though he is uh, not a son of Aaron, he's not a priest. Uh, and he just begins talking with God. My guess is that he is uh, behind the veil. The Lord is speaking to him. But uh, really, um, another possibility that is that he's he, he goes uh, behind the veil. If so, he is a foreshadowing of the man or woman in Christ who, because of the blood of Jesus, is able to go right in to the Holy of Holies, the presence of God, and pray to God. Uh, once again, the uh, ever-encouraging verse, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace meaning into the Holy of Holies, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Oh, the wonderful mystery of how Jesus has opened up the Holy of Holies to us, that we can just uh, come right in and and enjoy uh, His uh, presence. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, we, we have that privilege. And so, uh, you know, reading uh, here in, in the book of Numbers, just how the vessels uh, in the uh, tabernacle were covered up, the Ark of the Covenant covered up. Um, um, and as a general rule, people out were, were not allowed to see, even see any of these vessels. Uh, the, the Levites themselves, unless they were priests, they were not even, they, they couldn't even look upon these vessels lest they die. Uh, the fact that God has opened up to us by the blood of God Jesus, all those coverings uh, taken off now, and we, we can we can um, 
see the vessels of God. I'm not speaking, of course, what were the vessels that were in the tabernacle, but just the word of God, the mysteries of God, the wonder of God, the 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 blessed promises. We can we can handle them. We can be with them. We can uh, uh, the, the word of God becomes our friend, and and so. Uh, the wonderful grace that was open to us in Christ. But these wonderful pictures here uh, in the book of Numbers, we will um, uh, uh, we will pick up in Numbers chapter 9 uh, next time. God bless you. <laughs>